1: Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells the Star Wars Animation Podcast. This is our eighth episode of season four, the final season of Star Wars Rebels for the episode Crawler Commandeers. I am one of your hosts Michael Cohen and with me as always my faithful co-pilot Matt the Crankster Cranky.
2: Hey what's up Mike and Star Wars Rebels fans. Yes it's good to be back. We're talking some Probably one of the funniest names I've heard in all of mm. Rebels and <laughs> Crawler. Come, we kept. I kept going back and forth last week. Was it? Is it? Did they spell it wrong? What's going on with this? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is Crawler Commandeers. And We're going to be talking about that uh, episode today. Uh, before we do that, Mike, let's just. We're going to jump into this episode. Now, huh? ready to it. go into the news? Okay. All the, world, the
0: force is strong this Now. Here's the latest from a galaxy far,
2: far away.
1: Roll right away, sir.
2: So, the first thing I wanted to jump on, Mike, is just kind of piggybacking off last week. Uh, Battlefront Two, obviously came out, and yes, it's Star Wars. I know we talked about this last week, Mike, yeah. but I couldn't do it. I broke down yeah. and I bought the basic edition, which was, I think, $59 or whatever. A lot of stuff has happened. uh, What a difference a week makes in Battlefront 2 and, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, the loot crates and all that. Um, I'm still a rookie at all this, but obviously, you've listened to this, you guys are probably playing it, you know that they've kind of changed their mind on a lot of these uh, pay-for-things. Mike, did you uh, end up buying a game yet or are still waiting?
1: Oh, no, I'm not not paying big, big dollars for this game. Um, Yeah, no. I, still waiting. Okay. Still All waiting. Right. Yeah. Um. I have no interest in the multiplayer, so I'm not paying for the multiplayer. Ah. Is is basically my okay. stance on that. So I I'll I'll buy this game when it's at thirty dollars Canadian, which it will be within the year. Um, mm-hmm. if I feel like I really need to know the story between now and then, I'll maybe go on YouTube and watch a Let's Play or something like that. Like there are yeah, yeah. there are alternatives to fighting as so
2: it's funny that you say that because um i've i'm actually playing the campaign right now Mm -hmm. i'm i'm pretty far into it i'm i'm i don't know i want to say six or seven hours maybe invested in it and for all those out there that are big time gamers listen i'm brand new to this and sometimes it takes me 15 tries to get through a certain particular part of (laughs) you know what i mean so and it's funny because my kids are down here going man you suck and i'm like (laughs) give me a break man i'm still learning so um so I'm getting through this thing. It's pretty fun, and all the cutscenes are. It's actually it's actually fun to to get this story down. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you start with Aiden Versio, and then you kind of go through. And and so far, I've played um, probably four or five different characters. Now I've played Han Solo, I've played Luke, I've played Leia. Um, you kind of go through and you take oh, really? different characters I, as you go through. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know
1: that you played as other characters. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. So um, different parts of the story you play different characters to get through different levels um so i'm having fun with you know you jump in ships and you fly ties and you fly the Millennium falcon x-wings um gone through all that but you were talking about this um the youtube thing you can i just noticed this that you can go on to youtube and watch uh all the cutscenes put together somebody did this already it's crazy uh and it's actually two hours long which is I was like, "Geez, that's a whole movie." So this this mm-hmm. Battlefront thing, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm just assuming that's all the cutscenes. And uh, yeah, it's it's almost a movie. So I'll be interested to kind of watch that after I play through the game once. But sure. I'm actually having a good time. You know, like I said, I'm not a gamer, um, so but it's just something I wanted to try, and because of the story mode, so I'm, I was uh, excited to try that, and it's been actually pretty darn fun. Uh, I haven't tried any of the multiplayer stuff like you might have. I'm just not into that level yet and uh, I'm actually getting better playing this campaign. It started out pretty bad, but I'm starting to get the hang of the the shooting and the moving and all that kind of thing. So yeah. I'll just say it's it's, it's been fun. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it, Mike. I think especially the obviously the campaign mode, which is what you play for. So I think you're going to I think you're going to like it. So especially playing different characters and and the story and, and where it goes when you start off with Versio and, and her progression through the story. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I haven't bought anything. I haven't done any of the extra purchases or whatever like that. So,
1: well, they, but, they, they shut down all of the loop boxes so that right, right you can't even purchase them if you want to. Um, right. the, <coughs> There is still a pretty significant pay-to-win aspect to the game, where if you buy, there are I think three different versions of the game. I think there's the standard version, which is right. the one that you bought. There's a there's a hundred dollar version or 80 ninety dollar. I don't know the the exchange rate on that, but uh, up here I think it's a hundred dollar version. Um, yeah. That gets you some early access stuff. It got you into the game. Well, it's like three days earlier, or something like that, which gives you a pretty significant head start on the people yeah, who are true. getting it on Friday, right. um, on a Friday, and you're getting it on a Tuesday or whatever day that was. Um, and then there's a version, sorry, and that 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 eighty ninety dollar version, it comes with, um, it comes with some special uh, upgrades that it takes a long time for you to earn normally in the game. Um, and right. then and then I believe that there's like a super deluxe version that has even more stuff and probably probably some additional little like like um, uh, I don't know maybe like a physical uh, component to it as well like a like a patch or something like that I don't know but um, yeah there are multiple versions of the yeah. game and the mo- and and the more expensive ones actually gain you benefits that will give you a, a competitive edge right out the gate now like by the time that i get my hands on this game it's not really going to matter because uh, th- you know there won't really be anybody playing it anymore because i don't think it's going to have a a long lifespan um but yeah i'll, I'll I, I, I don't even care about that stuff i just care about the storyline stuff i didn't realize that it that it involved jumping around from character to character i thought it was a straight shot through as mm. as uh, Iden Versio so Yeah but, um, I didn't know that either So I don't yeah. know how I feel about that I feel like they really build it as Like this is the story of this character Iden Versio throughout the saga But that sounds a little bit more To me like a, Kind of a broken up anthology um, Yeah
2: Well the thing is It's, it's without, I don't want to spoil it but mm-hmm. And I won't spoil it, I'll just say that There's reasons that you I guess take on the other characters because of the way her story goes. You kind of meet up. Um, actually just probably I don't want to go. I shouldn't say too much. I don't want to spoil it. But there's a reason that you go and play some of the rebel characters. It's gotcha. part of the story. But um, but yeah, that was something I didn't know either. I did I thought it was just like her thing, and and it kind of surprised me. Fairly quickly into the game, you're you're jumping around, and obviously you're jumping around to. Geez, I've been to Tokadana and Bespin and um, Naboo, and, and so I've been like and, and some new planets that uh, sprinkled in there as well. So you're kind of jumping around different planets and different players, and so that's it's been kind of fun. So, mm. Interesting. but yeah, other than that, well,
1: yeah, yeah. Eventually, I'll get my hands on it, I'm sure, and then I... yeah. I'll let everybody know when that happens.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, uh, we've got some news about uh, after the break. uh, They had some, uh, I guess there's a German website that found out some uh, names to the next three episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, The next one after the break is called Allegiance. Then we go to One Giant Step Ahead. And then after that, it's The Call of the Spectre. And that's all they have listed so far. No dates. No dates uh no time so we're still kind of up in the air uh mm-hmm. when it's going to return but like, like in previous seasons mike we're looking at what maybe kind of towards the middle end of january
1: possibly i would think, think so probably yeah um, yeah yeah it depends we'll on the how holidays, long they want, the they want to stretch it out but yeah right yep and probably finished complete by april I would imagine. I don't. I don't think that we'll be watching Star Wars Rebels in April. Um, well, and I don't if they if, if uh-huh. they go at the click that they did with the first half of the season, we might be might not be watching it in March. It might I, be. Well, that's going to say. January, February.
2: I don't. Who knows? Like what the the release schedule is going to yeah. be for the second half? We haven't heard anything about that as well either. So whether they're going to do like they did do two two a week um, or start doing one a week we'll see um it's kind of yeah, all that's kind of up in the air now so stay tuned for that um hopefully i thought we would get something by the end of um just the next episode rebel assault that they would say something like oh see you in yeah january or something yeah like, they've
1: definitely done that before but not this they time haven't right. done that yeah, yeah so we'll just, kind of wait and see what happens any uh, uh other than that
2: um the only other thing that's been going on mike is just uh they've been just hammering us hard with these jedi last jedi spots and tell yep. you what there's a new one out today and i know you posted on twitter i think it was today about um just like okay i, th- I think i'm done watching these things now huh?
1: yeah yeah tim <laughs> tim said that he's going blackout on the tv spots and stuff yeah um I don't know if I'm blackout on the TV spots because I'd rather see it in a video than than a screenshot later on as I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, but, but. Um, definitely I did watch a TV spot this morning that was spoilery. <laughs> And the EW articles are getting into spoiler territory. Oh, the EW too. Yeah. That came they're out they're discussing also. a lot of the character relationships that, that, hmm. um, that I think are probably better left as surprises within the, the film. So, um, right. yeah, it's like, if you want to talk about like the design process of the, of the, what are they called? The vault, I think the, the crystal yeah, foxes, um, Fox, yeah, I'm yeah. down for that. Like, let's talk about some of that stuff. Let's talk about some of the behind the scenes. I don't want to hear about relationships between characters. Um, and I'm not saying romantic relationships, just to be really clear. This is just like relationship is in like how one character relates to another. Again, mm-hmm. that's also charged how one character interacts with another character on screen. Um, talk to me about like, put, you can promote this movie to me with stuff like I, uh, Kylo Ren's new Starfighter is designed to, to echo this and the crystal foxes are like, oh, we did this because there's a really cool article that talks about the crystal foxes and how um, during the design process, they got an actual dog to come in, covered it, like basically put it in this suit covered in um, clear plastic straws. Uh And when they did, and then they got this dog to kind of do like run through some, some movements. And as they watched it, they, they tracked the straws to see sort of like how they moved and, uh, and then, and then use that to, to translate into the, into the, um, the animation of the crystal foxes in the movie. And, and one thing that they found in doing this was that it made a really cool sound. And I think that already in, in, um, in the trailer, uh, and in some of the TV spots, if you've been watching the TV spots, you'll hear a little bit of that and and I think like that's cool. that's what I want to know about like that's the sort of like like lead up to the movie production stuff that I want to hear about. I don't want to hear about how so and so is going to so and such and such with another so and so and it's right. like right. I don't I don't know don't tell me <laughs> I want to see yeah. the movie right like yeah and that's uh, what. Ha- yeah, there's there's some stuff that has confirmed and also un unconfirmed things from trailers. So there's but there like that TV spot this morning, that TV spot this morning was very clear. And a couple of them from the last few days have been very clear about clearing up misconceptions that are in that, mm. that second trailer. Um, yeah. And I won't say any more than that. Cause I don't want to confirm or deny anything, <laughs> but, yeah. but there are definitely TV spots out there. So just be forewarned. If you don't want to go in like, like, like with uh, with preconceived notions or I, no, I don't, I don't know if that's even the right way to say it. If, if you want fresh eyes, um, you got to do two things. You have to let go of your expectations for the last Jedi and what you want it to be. And you have to stay away from the internet. Those are your choices. <laughs> so all the people who are like, oh, I'm going yeah. on blackout. I'm going on blackout. I'm like, cool. You better be shutting off your internet.
2: That's too hard. That's Cause hard. It's yeah. going to yeah. be
1: difficult. Um, I, f- yeah.
2: I uh well you're talking about some of the the character stuff and and I felt the same way like the EW I think it was the EW article it it said something about you know Kylo and Ray, and I didn't even read that
1: yeah I
2: was like okay I don't I don't want to read that because I don't want to know anything and like you said the tv spots um I'm still watching them but some of the articles I'm, I'm staying away from because like yeah. you said I, I don't need to know anything more I just want to go in and and see it so yeah, um, for sure. but yeah they're they're hitting us pretty hard though man it's uh it seems like every day now we're getting i think they're up to like eight or nine or something like that or 10, every few days 10 or 11 10 oh yeah. geez
1: yeah. yeah and and tim had said like oh they're 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 um they're finally starting to come, and uh, like like as if they're like behind schedule. And I I replied to him on Twitter that no, they're they are right on track with where we were. In fact, they're a little bit. Um, no, was he saying that they were early? I don't remember. Actually, I've got Twitter open, so I can just look at what he said. What did Tim say? What did Tim say? Uh, Tim said. He just- yeah. it's earlier than I wanted to, but I think I'm going to stop watching any more new The Last Jedi TV spots. There seems to be a lot more coming out earlier than usual. <clears throat> to which I said, I uh, Facebook Memories chart these spots as a week behind TFA in my experience, but I'm with you on the blackout. These articles are getting into spoiler territory. Because um, yeah, on on Facebook, uh, Facebook does like shows you like the oh this this day a year ago two years ago three years ago and uh and i noticed last week that we were getting into some of the more like like deep tv spots that were really kind of starting to give away parts of the movie that mm-hmm. said i watched every single tv spot for the force awakens i watched every single tv spot for rogue one those movies still contained a lot of surprises so you know take it yeah. for what it's worth it, it is what it is but um i i i know that mark hamill and ryan johnson would tell you to wait for eight so
2: yeah wait for eight that's the that's the hashtag huh? yeah
1: wait for eight. yeah uh yeah so with that i guess
2: uh let's get into the recap huh
1: yeah let's do it all right
0: Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra.
2: it's time to get
0: to work when are you going to feel you've done enough for this rebellion I I really about it. so i guess you haven't thought about us all the paths are coming together, right? I'm just not sure if we're going to like where they lead. Krennic
2: the has been quite persuasive about his own project, Stardust.
0: Are you confident your ship can get in and out undetected? You don't call it the Ghost for nothing. Woo! Oh, got him! Now it's our time
2: for the rebels' Recap. May the Force be with you. All right, here we go with Crawler Commandeers. In the caves they recently discovered, the Lothal Resistance sets up shop. Sabine Wren tinkers with an old transmitter, which she tells Ezra and Ryder was the best they could salvage. Despite her best efforts, she can't get the device to send a long-range transmission and notes that the Galactic Empire is blocking all non-imperial transmissions. Kanan says that they need to get in contact with Hera. Ezra agrees, stating that they have to be ready if an attack occurs. Ryder points out that the rebels are hiding in a few caves with only a few blasters, to which Ezra replies that they've done more with less. Just then, Sabin picks up something nearby in the transmitter, and the rebels set out to inspect it. In the Great Temple of Yavin 4, Hera attends a briefing with Mon Mothma, General Dodana, Erskine Simaj, and Bail Organa, attending via hologram. Dodana explains that after analyzing the TIE Defender's elite flight data recorder, the Rebel Alliance has now a better picture of the fighters' capabilities. Harris states that if that is the case, the Rebels have to prevent it from being manufactured in the first place, meaning they must attack Lothal's factories.
0: Based upon data provided by Captain Sedula, the TIE Defender Elite possesses speed, weapons, and shields superior to any fighter in our fleet. Can we destroy it? In single ship-to-ship combat, unlikely. Our analysts have yet to find a weakness in its design. If we can't find a way to fight this thing, it's imperative we prevent it from being mass-produced. I request permission to lead an attack squadron back to Lothal to destroy that factory.
1: Considering the Empire's defenses and our limited attack capability, I'm not sure now is the right time.
0: We can't afford to wait. I have a group standing by on the ground ready to aid any mission.
1: What about the blockade and Admiral Thrawn?
0: Your evidence is persuasive, Captain, but we'll need time to discuss further action. Perhaps it's best you wait outside. Whoa.
2: So, Mike, we start off here, and I wanted to play that uh, for se- just a second here. Um, like, we're starting off on the caves, I believe, from the last episode, it sounds like, you know, where they left, the the Lothwolves left them, um, trying to reach Hera and Ryder. Uh, so, you know, here's Ryder, he's saying, taking on the Empire, uh, I don't know about a, if that's a good idea. They're in a cave, they have no ships, uh, no supplies, so he's kind of laying out everything, like, you guys got to— pretty bad here on the, on the planet here. I mean, it's, you guys are not ready to, to, to attack the empire just yet. Um, But also in this audio clip, you know, Dodonna states they cannot find, they can't find a weakness. You know, they study it just like they studied uh, the death star in star Wars. Yeah. You know, Dodonna's people are studying this and they're like, there's, there's nothing. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, there's no, there's no exhaust port we can fire into. Uh, to pull this thing up you know so he's like saying hey i don't know and Hera's like if that's the case uh the only way to stop it is to we have to destroy this thing i mean there's no other way around yeah. this thing there's no there's no weakness in this fighter the only way to get rid of it is to destroy the whole factory so a lot of stuff going on in this first uh first few moments here mike any any thoughts on this
1: yeah no i think i think uh I, I, you're right on target it it's um, this, for this first couple scenes are really just to sort of establish the stakes and then mm-hmm. the rest of the episode kind of actually almost like ignores them, but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, yeah. but this is sort of just like this and then, and then the end of the episode are sort of our connective tissue between the mythology elements of mm-hmm. this part of the story. Right. So, yeah, uh, the serialized right. stuff going from one week to the next. The 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 main bread the, that's the bread of this sandwich, right? And the main meat is is um, a bit of a classic uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars Rebels adventure, um, where right. there, it's a little bit more like we have an objective, we're trying to get a resource, and and uh, hijinks ensue. But um, the the reluctance on the part of the rebellion is yeah is the thing right. that I find really interesting. This is this is an I, I that, that, too. Yeah. that was fleshed out in Rogue One and then Star Wars Rebels here, which this is predating the events of Rogue One, but it's sort of continuing to um, to add to that that idea that the rebellion is not ready. Um, right. and and part of that I think is is the storytelling, um, and it's actually it is actually the story that that matters for that. But another part of it is them going like, well, it says really clearly in A New Hope that the first decisive victory, the first major victory against the Empire was the the Battle of Scarif, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing can happen before then. The easiest way to stop a decisive victory from happening before then is to have the rebel Alliance hemming and hawing about military action. Um, Mm -hmm. that, that does a really good job of delaying their first, uh, major victory. So, so it feels a little bit like they're stalling the story in order to, um, adhere to that, that piece of canon. Mm -hmm. But um, the other part of that is that we already know they have to generate some sort of suspense because we already know that the TIE Defender never goes into production because we never saw a TIE Defender in the movies. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. uh, I think that we would have seen them. Maybe not the first Death Star, but certainly at the Battle of Endor, we would have seen TIE Defenders if there were TIE Defenders to see. So. Mm Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a. although I mean like, you know, you can make a lot of arguments. Like if Harris and Dula was at the battle of Endor, how come we didn't see the ghost, right? Like, how, and it's like, well, obviously <laughs> because it didn't exist for another 30 some odd years, but, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, like, come on, give us a definitive edition of the <laughs> movies, put the ghost into the battle of Endor. But it goes to there, but, yeah,
2: yeah, uh, I, I had, re- yeah, go ahead. No, I was to say I, I wrote the, I wrote something down too, and it's exactly what you said. It's like, and we had talked about this in previous episodes about Mothma and Dodonna and Bale. It's like they're they're still a little gun shy, and they don't know, especially about this attack, and it's yeah. like you said they're just waiting for that like that moment when they know yeah this is going to work. So, like you said, they they're still just kind of waiting. They don't want to push anything right now. So. Uh, and they want this uh, well actually we'll get to the, we'll get to the ore crawler here in the next thing. go ahead, Mike, you want to continue?
1: Yeah, I'll continue here. Uh, here we go. Uh, back on Lothal, the rebels approaching on a land speeder discover a mining guild ore crawler. Ezra states that he saw some of them burning the planes in the north and is concerned that the crawlers have made it halfway across the planet. Zeb suggests that they hijack the vehicle and use it to contact Hera. Sabine scanning it tells him that they may be more right than he knows, as it has a long range transmitter. Ryder brings the Spectres in behind the crawler on the speeder, and Sabine flies up on her jetpack, sneaking up behind the behind a droid. Sabine hits it with a paralyzing dart and heaves it over the guardrail. Uh, Ryder brings the speeder alongside the crawler, and Ezra, Zeb and Kanan hop aboard. So this is their target now, right? Like this is our right. this is our mission. We gotta uh, commandeer hence the title this yeah. uh this ore crawler um and uh and and get access to its long-range communication um so that they can send a message to Hera
2: all right and and this ore crawler uh clearly is the 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 vehicle that has done all this damage to to Lethal. um yeah. you see it in the beginning, it's just, and uh, I'm sure there's tons of them around there, but yeah, it's it's devastating as far as uh, the the land of Lothal in the in the area or whatever. So it's doing a lot of damage here. But this thing has a long range, like you said, calm array that's going to be something it's uh, perfect for what they need to get all the Paris. So uh, continue entering the cockpit. They find the uh, fine crawler 43 413 24's captain Seavor oblivious to his surroundings while listening to music on a pair of headphones. Sivor is pulled out of his chair and enraged at what he assumes are pirates. As he is restrained by Zeb, the captain hits a button on his wrist, which sets off an alarm and halts the crawler. Kanan tells Sabine to shut it off and she races to the controls. As she works, Ezra pulls the device off Sivor's wrist and crushes it beneath his foot. The vehicle is contacted by the mining guild headquarters, wondering why the alarm has been triggered. Sabine tries to figure out how to respond as Kanan warns her that they're running out of time as Sev'or taunts them. Ezra's waved up to the comms and does a possible impersonation of the transdotion, claiming that the crawler is suffering mechanical difficulties. As Ezra attempts to persuade the guild headquarters that sending a, pa- a repair team is not necessary, as the crew can fix it themselves, Sev'or yells in the background, attempting to be heard over the comm channel. Zeb no- knocks him unconscious as the comms cut out. So, uh, talking of the oral crawler here, it's uh, a, and, and we have the introduction to Seth Green's transdoshian character Cvor, uh, which I obviously now we have different, uh, you know, sizes of of transdoshians. You know, you got the 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 uh, bosks, and then you have yeah someone like a uh, Seabor here, who's kind of a little runt kind of a thing, um, wiry and all that kind of th- stuff, you know, can kind of, kind of crawl around and everything, but, uh, different, uh, sizes of, of, uh, Oceans now. So,
1: yeah, it's yeah. kind of great the way that they, that they talked about it in the rebels recon is that, um, is that as long as it's a lizard, it's kind of fair game. So, um, mm. So Bosk is obviously a little bit more of your like sort of dinosaur-looking lizard man, but um, but Seabor is a little bit. He's kind of he kind of looks a bit like a chameleon almost. So mm, um, he's right. kind of got that like that that pointed snout um, right. going on. So yeah, I I, I I I like it. I like what I really like in Clone Wars and in in Star Wars Rebels is that. We have an opportunity because we get to see the wider galaxy to um, to show variance within species. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part in Star Wars, uh, especially in the original trilogy, we saw one, maybe two of a species, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other than, you know, like, like with Ewoks, obviously we saw a lot. With Jawas, we see a lot. Um, but, you know, when you think of like locks of rock right as a character it's like well that's a species like he he has a species um mm-hmm. uh but he is one example of the species so uh well, he's a character from the cantina right so uh we at one example and then i i oh, man am i remembering which one locks of rock is i think that he is a schistavanian uh wow beautiful. Jeez, yeah uh um, yeah, yeah, he is. He's the, the, okay, the nice. character that I'm thinking of. Um, he's a, he's the wolfman, right? Like the, the, mm. the, wolf oh, man right, in the right. cantina. That's right. And then, you know, for the most part, what we end up seeing is carbon copies of these characters in different costumes. So we see a Schistavan in, in, uh, a, a, in the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars, and it's basically Locks of Rock in a Jedi outfit. And to me, the more interesting thing is to take the concept, right, of of the Shistovanen being werewolves um, being canine, and saying like, okay, well, what would another Shistovanen look like? What would a female look like? What would what wh- like are there? In the same way that there are different breeds of dogs, are there different, um, are there different, like, sort of styles of schist in the same way that we have different races of human beings, right? Like, and, and with even, uh, like, beyond races, um, I, I, within a, a, a race, you have incredible variation between somebody who has, a, a an ectomorphic body type versus an endomorphic body type. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. in the prequels, we see Orn Ta who is a Twi'lek, but he's a, he's a fairly hefty Twi'lek. So he looks very right. different. His Leku look different right. because his physiology is different because, because of his health and, and whatnot, right. Different, different factors. Um, and then Admiral Raddus, uh, and the other, I, uh, I, um, I, Akbar Mon Calamari, A- Mon Calamari that we Calamari, see yeah. in rogue one, they're blue because I think, <laughs> I think the justification is that they're from, they're from the polar North of, or not North, but, you know, like, like sort of like the, right. uh, the polar regions, the, the, the more Arctic regions of right. Mon Calamari, um, And so we get – again, we get variation, right? And I like that. I I like that within the Clone Wars and and Star Wars Rebels, we get to see even more of that variation Um, because we have seen that with other species as well. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's a – I love it. The – the The thing that I find the most obnoxious about Star Wars expanded universe and and a lot of the Star Wars storytelling that isn't part of the the core films, um, is that a lot of it is copy paste something that you thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, even within the prequels, the copy paste elements of of you know the Ark One Seventies are just a different kind of X wing. You know, it's like well, the Ark One Seventies are cool in their own right as well, but. You know, like, there's a little bit of, like, why don't you just design a cool new ship, right? Um, Right. Or why don't you take something inspirational and go in a totally different direction with it, like the Jedi Starfighter, right? Because the Jedi Starfighter is clearly inspired by the uh, Star Destroyer, Mm -hmm. but what does a Star Destroyer look like as a personal fighter ship, right? right? And how does that change things? You know, we put a droid in there, and where does it go? And all that sort of thing. And, and you end up with the Jedi starfighter, which is one of my favorite designs, but, mm-hmm. um, the Delta aether sprite seven, uh, Delta seven, aether, aether sprite. Sorry. Is the, so I'm flexing a lot of, a lot of, uh, and you are muscles today <laughs> you do. Uh, showing off,
2: but you no, know your stuff right there, man, yeah. showing off. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, so, so sense. anytime, anytime we get to expand, uh, our understanding of something like, uh, seeing the Y wings in the Clone Wars and then actually seeing what could very well be the exact same Y wings in Star Wars rebels being decommissioned and and getting the explanation as to why they went from these really slick looking uh, rebel uh, sorry Republic era starfighters mm-hmm. to, the cobbled together, uh, bare star fighters of the, the rebel Alliance. So I love seeing that stuff. And, and, and I love that, that explanation. The other thing that I, that I love about the animated stuff is when we get to see, um, designs from, uh, existing legends or EU, uh, come to life on the screen. And the, the orc crawler is definitely one of those. Cause it is, I mean, it's right in the, in the star Wars.com behind the scenes, the trivia. Mm-hmm. it is meant to be inspired by the the world devastators from uh from the dark empire uh, right. comics so yeah i love those cuz my first my first experience with the world devastators was actually in um in rogue rogue squadron is it One? Rogue? yeah i think so yeah. yeah yeah in the first rogue squadron you you see them uh, you battle the world devastators with v-wings Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was like going through Rogue Squadrons, like you're playing through all of the movies, and and you know you're playing these missions in between the, the ba- big battles from the movies that you know and love. And then you get towards the end and you're like, oh, well, now they're going into into EU territory. I don't even think we called it EU back then. They were just called no. it books. Uh, we just said books because that's all it was. <laughs> books yeah. and comics. And then you get to this final mission because it is, its is – I'm pretty sure it's the last mission in, in Rogue Squadron. Um, oh, the first one on the N64. Uh, and and you get to fly this ship that you never saw in the movies, and it's so cool, and um, and it it has this specific purpose, and and uh, it's part of this battle that that's famous in the comics, but not only to people who know what it is, right? So, right. Um, seeing the world devastators come to life, I I in in animated form at least, uh, is really cool. I, I I thought it was really great the way that they they're inspired by but they're also kind of their own thing i felt like they kind of took Sand Crawlers and world devastators and mixed them together into into a new design which which i enjoyed
2: right exactly yeah definitely well uh you were talking about um uh this crawler and seth green and all that and at the beginning of this he's listening to you know, he's got some headphones on or something. And I don't know if I read this, and but I, I heard this song and I thought it sounded familiar. And I, I believe it's from an earlier episode where where Zeb and uh, Ezra are kind of kicking back uh, kind yeah. of on, on the dusk. And they're listening to the, I think it's the same song. I can't remember the episode, but I yeah, think it's, it I the, think it's the towards the song.
1: end of season two on Adelon. Yeah. John Chopper bass.
2: Right, right. So so that's kind of, I don't know if that was in the trigger or not, but I think that's the same thing. And then, um, and then, of course, as Red happened, he uses uh, skills in impersonation, which he's done before. He's actually had to do it again here with impersonating uh, CBO here. So uh, with that, Michael, let's, uh, you want to keep going?
1: Yeah, where are we? We're at Sabine? I think Sabine? Yeah. yeah. Sabine discovers that the transmitter is older than she had thought and works to get enough power to it. She discovers a signal coming from the back in the reactor room, and Cannon and Zeb go to check it out. Uh, Kanan and zeb head over to the processing room and Kanan tells zeb to check the upper level while he searches below and jumps down in the smoke and steam from the machinery Kanan senses presences and reaches for his blaster however he quickly realizes that they are slaves and moves his hands away from his weapons as he tells them he's not there to hurt them As the slaves approach, dropping the the tools they were holding as makeshift weapons, Sicatro Vizago emerges to Kanan's considerable surprise. The Deveronian crime lord boastfully states that he told the other slaves that the rebels would be coming to rescue them, and that the foreman is no match for a Jedi. Kanan is startled at the mention of a foreman, at which point the individual in question, a large, powerfully built Trandoshan, emerges and attacks the Jedi Knight with an Electro Whip. Uh, the foreman pulls hard enough for Kanan to lose his grip on his weapon and it clatters to the floor. In his second attack, the foreman attacks Kanan with the whip and shocks him unconscious. Before he can do anything else, Zeb points his bow rifle at the trend Ocean, growling for him not to move. So, uh, this is great, because I, I, I love the atmosphere of this scene, um, mm-hmm. when he kind of jumps down into the smoke, and then the and smoke, fog, yeah, smoke yeah, yeah. It felt yeah. very like spielberg to me mm. and then reading again the behind the scenes on on starwars.com you learn that the this character the foreman is uh, is inspired by pat roach uh, the character the character's name in the in star wars rebels is proach which is <laughs> which is a combo of pat roach uh, yeah. a portmanteau I believe is the word i uh, and i uh, uh, so this character is sort of dedicated to his performances in the Indiana Jones series. And to me, like, I love it when they pull Indy into like these oh, Indiana yeah. Jones references into sure. the Clone Wars and rebels, um, which yeah. they actually do quite a bit. yeah, uh, it is. Huh? Yeah. I, and, uh, it's just cool. Cause like the, that's obviously also George Lucas, but, um, but the visual language is, is much more, uh, complex because, uh, Steven Spielberg was just a little bit better at the at the visual aspect um, of storytelling. Uh, I'm talking about sort of you know like the the uh, setting a scene and, and atmosphere and tone um, than George Lucas. George Lucas tends to to shoot things pretty straight, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is a style unto itself. Uh, uh, that Star Wars manages to I think it's the it's the reason why Star Wars works so well is because the the camera is objective it's almost documentary style in in the Mm -hmm. way that it that it treats stuff it's interesting because you can see um you can see the sequels getting away from that and i think that that's what's so striking about the last jedi is that the last jedi the camera is a character um and 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 i think that with uh star wars rebels that that's actually that's been more the case than anything else. It it has its moments. Certainly, whenever they're in starships, it's it's played f- for that sort of realism of of mm. staging. Um, when they could be doing stuff cr- that's crazy, like they did in uh, in the prequels, but instead they they keep sort of the camera locked down, and it's the ships zooming past and doing barrel rolls over the over the camera and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely moments like in uh, the end of season two, and um, uh, any of the stuff with Darth Maul, mm-hmm. Obi Wan Kenobi, where the camera becomes a, one of the characters. So it's a cool, it's a cool evolution, and it's a cool melding of, of these different styles, because um, George Lucas had his own sort of signature uh, with the original trilogy that right. that he sort of stamped onto them, um, even when he wasn't directing, but. Mm. This borrows th- – these moments borrow a lot from Indiana Jones and this fight borrows a lot from Indiana Jones. I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it, sure, it certainly does. And like you said, just even from the beginning, you know, Canaan he finds these slaves. And um, so we and we also find out about – we've heard the Mining Guild mentioned a couple times here. Yeah. And uh, so, so now the Mining Guild is involved and they're probably – I'm assuming they're under the rule of the Empire as well and they're taking slaves. And so the Empire has got tons of slaves working for them, even the Mining Guild – as well so and then of course we get Vizago back and if you're wondering what happened to him um it sounds like after uh the occupation when he was uh you know the puff the puffer pig incident um it looks like he was taken by the imperials and like hey let's throw him on this thing here and have him work in the ore crawler so that's uh, kind of where Rizago where has been, and, and he's found by Kanan here. So uh, I'll continue. The foreman quickly ascends to the upper level using his whip and attacks Zeb. Uh, Zeb attempts to strike the foreman with his rifle's electrostaff mode, but is unsuccessful. Eventually, the fight heads to the outside catwalk. The foreman eventually grabs Zeb and tries to throw him off the crawler, but Zeb uses his prehensile feet to pull the foreman over, leaving both combatants dangling from the guardrail. As the fight continues, Kanan, having come to, runs outside on the lower catwalk, and Zeb tells him that he's up here. Eventually, the foreman gets his whip around Zeb's wrist and shocks him with it. Zeb withstands the shock and eventually dislodges the foreman's grip from the catwalk, leaving him dangling by the handle of his whip attached to Zeb's wrist. The foreman soon loses his grip and the whip handle fall and the handle and falls to his death. As Zeb's one handed grip on the walk begins to slip, Kanan arrives just in time and pulls him up, commenting that the Lassat is very heavy. So uh, I just noticed that Zeb's resistance to the electricity. Um, we saw this, I believe it was in Droids in Distress, and it kind of comes up again here, uh, where the transdotion tries to, uh, the foreman here tries to shock him. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's really good. I mean, you know, he's obviously can handle a lot of, withstand a lot of pain. So I thought that was. Uh, kind of consistent with the story of of Zeb, and him being able to to handle the uh, I guess it's the electro was electro whip I guess or uh, whatever you want to call that.
1: Yeah, I think the, they're called electro whip. Yeah,
2: electro whip. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I know it's uh, that's Zeb. Like you said, this is the kind of like kind of like you said the the, the, the uh, Indiana Jones stuff. It kind of reminds you of that, and like in Raiders when he fought the big Russian dude. Yeah. And then uh, it was in in Temple of Doom. He fought uh, the other big guy in there, you know, so uh, kind of the same type of thing. So I love when they, like you said, love when they kind of bring in. And like you said, they've done that. It seems like quite a few episodes now. They really go to that. So it's it's cool to see that. Um, Go ahead, Mike. You want to take the next one?
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, On (laughs) Yavin 4, Hera is waiting outside the briefing room with Chopper. Mothma comes out and tells her that they are still debating it as there is another concerning matter. The Empire has activated Protocol 13, the evacuation of all Imperial personnel. Hera (laughs) responds that this means the Rebels don't have any more time to waste. She storms into the briefing as Organa tells her that it is private. Hera tells the Alliance leaders that this isn't an issue that they can afford to delay on, and that she has a team on Lothal that are ready and waiting to assist the attack. In response to her speech, Mothma agrees and tells Hera that permission for the attack is granted.
0: Still no decision. They don't trust me. It isn't that. The TIE Defender isn't our only problem. The Empire has some new plan, as evidenced by Protocol 13. Never heard of it. It is the immediate evacuation of all Imperial personnel from an occupied planet. An order like that should only confirm our worst fears. And we're too afraid to do anything about it.
1: Captain Syndulla,
0: this is a closed-door counter. Senator, if I may, I know the odds are against this attack's success. But if that fighter goes into production, our squadrons will not stand a chance. I believe it's a risk worth taking, and whether we fail or succeed, at least our actions will show the Empire and the Galaxy that we will not stand (laughs) down that we will not be broken by fear, that we are strong, united by our courage. Now is our time to strike.
2: So in this episode, Mike, with a lot of action, like we talked about, I, th- I think this is one of those big moments that you're like, whoa, uh, that's kind of a big thing here. You know, they're talking about Protocol 13, Mon Mothman revealing the Empire is temporarily evacuating all its people from Lothal, hinting that they're preparing for something Like huge, and and not just Lothal. I think she says um, just anything that's occupied, hey, everybody get out. And we all know what the heck she's talking about, right? I mean this is – they're gearing up. I mean they're they're at this point where like, hey, the Death Star is right around the corner here. We're going to be starting to blow worlds up if we have to, or planets up if we have to. Uh, So get everybody off and start the evacuation process. uh, It's huge, Mike.
1: Do you think that's what that is? Do you think that they're that they're preparing to bring in the Death Star?
2: I think I think that's what they're talking about. I, I don't know any other reason why they'd be just like, "Hey, get off the planet. Let's uh, all kind of regroup into either, you know, our starships or, or on the Death Star itself." I think we're that close to. I mean, cuz look how close they are in Rogue One. I mean, they pretty much have it done. Yeah.
1: All they need is uh, do so, do, Do they know about the Death Star already at the beginning of Rogue One? Does the Rebellion already know? I'm trying to uh, remember.
2: Well, you know, he's still, I guess, working on it. Uh, Galen is um, when they find out. Uh, she's been a while since I've, I've seen the seen Rogue One I'm myself. I'm trying to but. remember
1: if they know. Like, it does Cassian know about it already? I don't I feel I don't think that they do. I think that Jeddah is when they is when the rebellion officially learns about it. Uh-huh. Right. So ah oh man, I, I'm really racking my brain on that. Uh, it's either
2: it's either they 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 kind of have an idea. Yeah I mean if something obviously something
1: big. Um It no, they definitely don't know because the whole the whole point is that um if Mothma knew about that Prior to the Senate being uh, dismantled, she would have like publicly announced it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when Krennic tests it on Jeddah, um, Vader is like, is like, you know, like we have to clean up your mess, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, like the, the the Emperor doesn't want anybody to know that this thing exists until he's ready to strike. Right. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like that was that would like Tarkin gives him the order to to test it. Um, I think intending for for Krennic to to go down for that. Right. Um, yeah, but, no, it, but I, must have I definitely idea, think that they they don't know that the Death Star is the Death Star yet. I think they know that the Empire is working on something, but that that makes me think that I, I don't think that we'll see the Death Star in Star Wars Rebels. Right. I don't. I, I think that there's something else going on on Lothal. There's something different, and it's something that the Lothwolves sense. Uh. <laughs> and and. Have you watched Rebel Assault yet? You haven't watched it yet,
2: right? No, so, I've, I've been doing these.
1: Yeah. As we so, record, so
2: I haven't seen I it think, yet. I think
1: like once you've watched Rebel Assault, I think that you might start to change your tone a little bit oh, because okay. there's there is some stuff in Rebel Assault that. I think it's a little bit I think that there's something else on Lothal. I don't know what it is yet, but I think that there's something else that that the empire is after. Um and it's not it's not kyber crystals, it's not resources of any kind. There's something there. Um yeah, I don't know. Like I'm sort of still leaning towards like there's some sort of power, like some source of of dark side power or something like that that they're Protecting, but uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think,
2: I guess, not knowing what's going on yet in in Rebel Assault, my my initial reaction is she's you know maybe somehow they know that maybe not the Death Star, but they know like through their spies that they're building something big, um, you know that could be it could be like they said world shattering or earth shattering. What do we call world shattering? Planet shattering? I don't know. Yeah, but. It sound, especially with the Imperials, like if the evacuation of some of these occupied planets that are on, not just Lothal, but it, it sounds like she said planets, like not just Lothal, like all the planets that were kind of been occupying, it's time to get off, you know, I'm, I'm assuming probably like planets like Alderaan and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, I, that's just coming from me, not seeing Rebel Assault yet. So uh, you could be right, Mike, it could be, she could be just talking about, uh, something big on Lothal or something like that. So we'll see. But uh, that's kind of where mine went, went when she was talking about this protocol 13. It's like, Hmm, that's, I, we, I, I didn't, we didn't hear that in Rogue one as far as I remember. And this is the first time I've, I think we've heard of protocol 13. So, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go from there. Um, but, you know, she's talking about, you know, obviously Hera knows that an order like that is obviously means something major. And, her thing is like, hey, we get she has this speech where like we got to go, you know, it's it's going to be a risk, but it'll show the empire that, you know, we're not going to stand down. We're not going to be fearful. And she has that kind of cool little brave heart moment where she's kind of rousing, you know, getting the troops to, to go with her. So it's um, so kind of like that. Section of the uh, like that speech that she did as well too. So uh, go ahead, Mike. Is it my turn or your turn?
1: Your turn. Your turn.
2: Okay. Uh, Visago is somewhat disappointed that the rebels do not come specifically to rescue him. Sabine calls everyone to the cockpit as she spotted incoming trouble. Two imperial gunships. Ezra quickly suggests that the rebels pretend everything is business as usual, stating that the slaves should go outside and seem to be still at work. Uh, He has Zeb, who is still in possession of the foreman's whip, put on a spare work helmet and pretend to be the slave driver. Vizago is pressed into impersonating the captain when the Imperials call and claims that the crawler is suffering mechanical problems resulting in them having lost all of their clearance codes. The Imperial responds that they are uh, still coming aboard for an inspection and uh, the gunship lands on the top deck where Zeb and the slaves are waiting. Several stormtroopers enter the cockpit forcing Vizago out of the way. Hiding in the closet with Canaan and Ezra, or Canaan and Sabine, Ezra whispers that they have to worry about that all they have to worry about is the captain squealing on them. Hearing this, Visago accidentally draws the stormtroopers' attention to the closet Sivor is locked into, and they insist on opening it, only to find it empty, as the, the three rebels are hiding in the other closet. Do um, you want to? You want to finish this last yeah, one, Mike? Yeah, just let's finish just, it up. Just All right, it's a big up, one. Go ahead. It's a big one.
1: Yep. After the Imperials leave, it's revealed that Sevor managed to escape into the ventilation system. Sevor, tapping into the crawler's intercom, taunts the rebels, and they quickly discern that he's gone to the reactor room. Kanan and Zeb attempt to enter, but find that the door has been locked and magnetically sealed, preventing Kanan from cutting his way in. Crawling through the vents, Ezra reaches the room, the engine room he, uh, uh, he discovers that the reactors have indeed been ve- deactivated and Sabine tells him to turn them on again. Ezra senses the transoc approaching him from behind as he works on the control panel and at the last second turns and slashes at Sevor with his lightsaber. Sivor dodges and a fight begins. As Ezra activates the reactors, Sevor attacks him again and causes Ezra to drop his lightsaber on the floor in front of the door to the smelter, which is constantly opening and closing. Sivor, failing to notice Ezra's lightsaber on the floor, slips on it and falls into the smelter. Sabine manages to get a signal through to rebel command and Ezra says they'll have to wait for a response. The freed slaves, when asked, are happy to join the rebellion, and Vizago decides to appoint himself permanent captain of the crawler. A signal gets through and Hera informs the rebels that the attack on Lothal has been approved. I am grateful all the same.
0: We're grateful to you, Vizago, for not turning us in. You're all free now, but we could use your help to fight the Empire on Lothal. Yes, we will. We, 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 we will, will fight, fight with, with, with the big, big purple, purple beast. beast.
2: We will fight!
0: As for this vessel, it is obviously in need of a new captain. I think I know just the pirate for the job. <laughs> We're receiving a transmission. <laughs> happy to hear from you guys and good timing rebel command has authorized the attack fighters are being fueled and bombers loaded the attack it's happening we're launching our assault on the next rotation I told Mon Mothma you'll coordinate
2: the ground assault
0: you can count on us
2: so there we go Mike It's thing ends uh, actually get some action here with Ezra and uh, Seavor and they're kind of fighting over here over um uh, in the bottom here, and uh, ultimately, he slips on uh, Ezra's lightsaber and falls into the uh, <laughs> yeah, into that fire pit or whatever we're going to call it. Um, but uh, kind of funny that Ezra. I don't know if if I was kind of reading too much into this, but Ezra's grin as Sivor dies, kind of like I started to think, oh, okay, he's maybe his journey to the dark side isn't quite over yet because that's one of the things that. I was kind of into, especially in the beginning of this, of the series was Ezra kind of going, he did some things that you're like, Whoa, man, uh, something's going on with him. And they kind of gone away from that now. And, and I don't know, sometimes they throw little hints like this and I could be just totally reading into it, but I kind of wish they would have explored that more, but I guess maybe they don't have enough time. You know, the the season's almost over and they kind of had to go away from that storyline because I thought they were going somewhere with that. But um, in any event, uh, this episode, uh, kind of ends with obviously the rousing thing. Like, Hey, it's time, man. They said the attack is approved. You guys are going to be leading the ground assault. We're going to yeah. be hitting you from there. Uh, it's all coming to this mid season finale. Uh, so I'm excited about that. This episode, it was fine. You know, nothing blew me away or anything. A couple of cool moments, a couple of cool quotes, like we talked about with protocol 13 in the beginning. Um, but it was just it was it was fine, you know. It's I, I kind of feel it was one of those, kind of get us to the uh, get us to the rebel assault. Maybe a, a quote unquote filler episode. I hate saying that, but um, it was fine. It was fine. Any any final thoughts on this episode, Mike? Uh, and what's going on? Yeah,
1: now? no. I mean, I wouldn't call it a filler episode so much as it's just sort of like a change of pace. Um, uh-huh. I. We definitely we gain some ground as the rebels, and um, the thing that I find interesting is that we don't see them use uh, uh, immediately use the world devastators uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the next episode. World devastators, the 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 ore crawler, but because right. um, I feel like that thing is, but I don't know, maybe they're gonna save it for later. Because with with Cicatro um, uh, as the captain of it, it is obviously right. now their resource to use. Um, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I I don't know. I I liked it. I enjoyed this episode, but when you compare it to the rest of this season so far, it's just going to kind of fall by the wayside just because, right? Right. Not because it's a bad episode, but just because it's not an incredible episode because the last two weeks, obviously we talked about it being them being pretty great episodes and Rebel Assault is very choice it is so good oh my god so (laughs) i'm excited for you to watch it and then we'll talk about it next Uh, week um because i think that uh that it is it's a it's a good one it's a very good one so cool um, a lot of stuff that everybody's been waiting for so with this episode it's kind of like yeah i mean it has some good moments it's got some really great comedy moments which which i think i've been missing a little bit this season so it's kind of all packed into one
2: Great. i uh, looking forward to that. Hey, let's go uh, to the mailbag real quick. message? The Rebels Podcast. Go back to club. Um. Mailbag. The council is asking. <whistles> so, Ariel Philip uh, Flores, he actually, uh, I want to talk about his email because he actually yeah. talks about Kindred and Crawler Commander. He says, I just finished watching Kindred and Crawler Commander. I'm so happy that they are focusing on Lothal, and now we're finally getting answers and connections to Rogue One. Canaan's story is finally coming to a full circle. His past is Caleb, Hera, Ezra, and ultimately where he will most likely meet his end. I'm starting to believe that the rebels will fail in their attack on Lothal. Canaan and maybe Zeb and Sabine meet their ends. And this will lead to Ezra going down a dark path. What do you think? Always love listening to your show. Keep up the good work. He says, sorry, I forgot to mention this. Is the crawler on Lothal connected to the World Devastators from the Legends content? And I when I saw this email, I had not seen the Rebels Recon and the and the behind the scenes stuff. And I just remembered that the first appearance was in Dark Empire comic. It was 91, like you said, Mike, 91, 92. Mm. Uh they're called the massive world devastators. And uh you know, they ra- ravage entire planets and stuff like that. So that's definitely, obviously, we talked about it in this episode, definitely uh, comes from that. But he's talking about some of the stuff at the end of this season, Mike, and he's talking about Canaan's story finally coming full circle. Um, and, and, and he talks about Ezra going down the dark path, and I just was talking about that. Like, we kind of gone, have gone away from that kind of story. But who knows what they're going to do with the end of this. I'm I'm totally, like... I have no idea where they're going because there's different ways they can go. Uh, I think we're all on the same page where we think that Canaan um, has to sacrifice himself somehow in some way. Yeah, and we're all kind of we're all kind of uh, kind of preparing for that. But who knows? Who else would? Uh, can happen yeah has your has your thoughts changed at all since these last few episodes mike about what no
1: not at all no i I, like (laughs) kane kane is not making it out he's just not like (laughs) like set your expectations properly right now that kanan is not going to survive this series um yeah i think that ezra's dark uh uh days his, his his the 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 flirting with the dark side is behind him um Okay. I think mm-hmm. that he's matured to the point where where that is not that's not something that we're going to see from him um, I do think uh, I think if anything were the test of that it would be seeing Lothal in the state that it is and I think that that if anything it's it's made his resolve stronger and that uh, he's even more heroic now mm-hmm. than he was before so um, yeah I, I think I think I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen to all of the characters. I, yeah. uh, they all have their individual causes. And I think that's the thing it's Hera and Kanan who brought the team together in order to accomplish some goal on Lothal. um, <clears throat> as Kanan talked about it, you know, like that they're there for a reason and it wasn't just to find Ezra. There's something Mm -hmm. else on Lothal that's keeping them there. Once that's accomplished, once Kanan and Ezra accomplish whatever it is they're meant to accomplish there, Kanan in particular, then I think the team will mostly disband. I think that Ezra will stay on Lothal. I think Hera will go back to the rebellion where she belongs. I think that, Mm -hmm. that, uh, Zeb will rejoin the Lassat on 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 New Lasan where he belongs, and um, and Sabine will go back to the Mandalorians. So right. I, I think like that's that to me seems like the most logical and organic way to finish this story is that these characters came together for a time to be a family and also to serve a purpose. Right, that mm-hmm. the Force brought them together for a reason. Um, because together they're strong enough to to defeat whatever, whatever it is they have to. And I think that a big part of that is Thrawn, and I think a big part of that is the tie defenders. But there's also something else going on. So mm-hmm. we will we'll see we'll see uh, by the end of the season I, we're gonna get our answers. I know that. So <laughs> yeah, um,
2: I I think I think the same thing. Like I could definitely see Caden going, but as far as the rest of them, we know Dave Filoni is. Has, so, obviously has a hard time getting rid of characters uh Ahsoka you know we could all you know we, we have that to look at too so I, I think you're right I think yeah I think Ezra's gonna make it and it almost makes sense to where Ezra would stay on Lothal and like live out the rest of his life just kind of kind of hanging out in Lothal and kind of rebuilding Lothal maybe or whatever whatever happens to Lothal after the end of this maybe he stays there and kind of yeah helps rebuild it or something like that so yeah it's that's so where. I th- that's where my. If I had to bet, that's where I'd bet now. So we'll see what happens after watching Rebel Assault and and getting into the first few episodes of, of next season. Uh, next time, Mike. Next week on Star Wars Rebels, uh, we're going to be talking Rebel Assault, the season or the mid-season finale. Hera leads the rebel attack on the Imperial blockade at Lothal with Grand Admiral Thrawn determined to stop her. And uh, here we go with a quick... We've got our
0: opening. Quick this quick. is it. All wings, form up and head for the target. The rebel forces have broken through our perimeter. Hmm. Regrettable, but a testament to Captain Sindula's skill as a combat pilot. Contact the second wave and order them to intercept.
2: Phoenix leader, I'm picking up enemy fighters at point three. <laughs> all right we got Tron, we got you know mm-hmm. x-wings we got an assault we got ground assault i'm looking forward to this mike i have like i said i haven't seen it yet but yeah. uh big big time uh mid-season finale I'm looking forward to it we'll be talking about it next week uh that's it though man that's it for this week that Crawler is but you years. know what
1: before yep. i wrap things up i just had <laughs> yeah. i just had i don't know if this is insanity or an epiphany But Kanan bears a a slight resemblance to the father. Now, you brought up Ahsoka, and obviously the going theory is that Ahsoka and the daughter are somehow connected after the the events of the Mortis trilogy, right? Mm -hmm. The father dies, and that is what throws the... Force into disarray right mm-hmm. the yeah. father dies and then the balance between the the, the daughter and the son it, it becomes like it's in conflict and, and I think Anakin maybe puts it at ease for a time but then obviously the dark side consumes everything right mm-hmm. and we've seen Ahsoka is related to the daughter and to yeah to the daughter in some way Darth Maul has been an important part of the storyline and was Ezra's teacher for a time. And Sam Witwer voiced the son. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Kanan and the father you kind of look at their, that the shape of their beards and uh, Mm. uh, the father has a very sort of like long face and Kanan has a very long face. And if you sort of interpret the style of the Clone Wars backwards into the style of star Wars rebels, you could almost think that these characters could be the same person in some way Hmm. or an embodiment of, of this, this person. I, I I, I don't know. It's just a theory.
2: What did, did you see a picture or did that just pop into your head?
1: It just popped into my head. that that The father is sort of like his face. The shape of his face is very similar to Kanan's. Right, um, and he's obviously got a much longer beard, but I. Uh, uh, the other thing is that he has he has like like black eyes with, with sort of like, blue, blue irises, yeah. right? right? Um, yeah, and I'm not saying that I don't think that Kanan is the father in the same way that I don't think that, um. Ahsoka is the daughter. I think that those. Those elements of the force can't be destroyed. They just, you know, it's like energy, right? You can't destroy energy. Yeah. It just, it just changes, and so uh, that's that's my feelings on that. Is that it just changes into something else, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and that perhaps some aspect of the father is within Canaan. Um, or he is going to take on some aspect of the father. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. It's just a theory. It's just well, a theory.
2: I mean, you can be honest with me, with, especially with the, the planet of the fall and where we think it's going with what's going yeah. on with this planet being a force sensitive planet and the loath wolves and all that. So, yeah. hey, you never know. Right? I,
1: I, think the, I think the answer to what is going on with Kanan and the loath wolves is much closer to the mortis trilogy than it is to rogue One. Uh-huh. Oh, that's what i'll say is that like it's i don't think it's a technological terror i think it's an ancient religion that mm. that that we're looking at so um yeah we'll see we'll see yeah, all we'll see. all the paths <laughs> are coming together now
2: yes they are yes so. they are cool that I guess it's going to do it for this
1: week. That's it for this week. Uh, yes. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to RebelCells.com. That is Rebel and then Cells with one L, C-E-L-S, .com. Uh, you can, of course, follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rebels Podcast, as well as on Twitter at Rebels podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Matt is at the Crankster. That is Crankster with a K. Uh, November is coming to a close, which means Movember is coming to a close. Just a quick reminder that I am uh, raising money for Movember this year. If you want to um, uh, kick in on that, uh, you can do that at mobro.co slash A-R-K-W-U-L-F. And uh, everything helps, uh, even a dollar. So uh, please help me reach my goal. I, I My goal, I set, I think I set it at 300. Maybe I set it at 500. I don't remember. But uh, I'm like 120 something. I'm almost at 130. So help me get a little bit closer to my goal um, so that I'm not so ashamed at the end of the month that i didn't reach it but uh, (laughs) i i like i said anything helps so if you're listening to this um you've got an important man in your life uh and you uh want to bring some awareness to men's health uh for their sake then uh then then donating to movember is definitely the way to do that um and of course, you know, if you've got somebody else that's participating in Movember, that you know, donate to them. Uh, it's it's. I'm not greedy. It Doesn't have to be <laughs> me. Just just you know, I, I right. yeah. Help help that help that movement because is a really cool organization. Uh, cool. Uh, you guys know we're a part of the Thunderquack podcast network. You you can head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in our network. And if you want to support us, you can do that two ways. First by heading to store.thunderquack.com. Uh, to pick up some merch, you can pick up you know t-shirts, all sorts of stuff, uh, phone cases. Uh, it is Black Friday. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, go go there on Black Friday. Get yourself get yourself a good a good deal. Um, pick up something cool. Uh, we would appreciate it. It helps support the podcast. Um, so that would be awesome if you could do that. Uh, and uh, and the other way to support us is over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, the other thing that's coming up, of course, is The Last Jedi. And mm-hmm. if you want the spoilerific uh, no holds barred review from Matt and I, you're going to have to go to patreon.com slash thunderquack and sign up at least for a month a dollar is going to get you access to the exclusive thunderquack podcast and matt and i are going to do an exclusive uh, uh, sort product. of end to end just like we did it for rogue one and uh, and people seem to really like it so we're going to do it again uh and of course you get the podcast but uh you're also supporting uh thunderquack and and all of the great content that we produce so Uh, so we appreciate that and it's a win-win for everybody. You're, you're, you're helping us create new podcasts, uh, for you to enjoy. So, uh, it's, uh, it is a somewhat self-serving charitable act to uh, To support us over on Patreon, <laughs> um, and you get the exclusive podcast and everything to boot. So, uh, we appreciate everybody who supports us over on on Patreon. slash Thunderquack, and uh, and if you're yes. interested, there's all sorts of great rewards over there, and uh, and and uh, you can you can check that all out on the website. Um, that is it for us this week, and we will be back next week for our final episode of. 2017, yes. covering Star Wars Rebels. We might jump in and do some other stuff between now and uh, and and when new episodes start airing. But uh, but for the time being, next week is going to be our last Rebel cells until uh, we figure out what we're going to do. I yeah. uh, maybe. Maybe we'll talk about the holiday special or something like that. Um, But uh, yeah, stay tuned. Look forward to that. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week for the episode Rebel Assault.
2: See you next week.